Discover how you can live a glorious and supernatural life through the teachings of Reverend Dr. Kwojo Boatenbempa. Reverend Dr. Kwojo Boatenbempa is the senior pastor and visioneer of Holy Hill Chapel, Assemblies of God. An anointed, energetic, and practical teacher, this servant of God will inspire you with practical teachings of the Word of God that will inspire, refresh, energize, and bring healing to your body, soul, and spirit. Now to today's message. Help me thank Jesus, the owner and builder of this church, and help me appreciate our father and mother for the opportunity. In a few minutes, I'll be sharing with you what God has done for our brothers and our sisters. Amen. Amen. Our first testimony is from Sister Lydia, who testifies of supernatural academic success through seed sowing and the mantle. She's saying, I joined this church through one of the pastors in January 2021. I am a student at one of the universities in Ghana. Once, after joining this church, I was suffering from abdominal cramps. So one of the pastors gave me his mantle to use, and God healed me. Since I was a new member and did not know the potency of the mantle in all situations, I had the mantle but did not use it during my first semester exams. That semester, my least grade was a C+. Subsequently, she's saying that she declared the results were not hers and believed that God could change her results. That time, I opened the portal, anointed the page, and wrapped my phone with a mantle. I kept on doing it for a while, but it still did not change, and this caused my faith to wane. I almost gave up on God and contemplated absenting myself from services, but daddy's words that... But daddy's words that when we move away from God, it does not change him because he is God and will always remain so, as well as his faith teachings kept me going. At last, I decided to do a year access course to be able to do the program I want to study at the university. On Monday, 16th January, which was the very first week I started the course, I felt led to check the results again. People of God, to my amazement, the fail had supernaturally changed to a pass. I quickly ended the access course, applied to the university of my choice, and I was granted admission to pursue electrical engineering. Glory to God, I am the first person in my family to ever be in the university. Thank you, Jesus. I give you all the glory for the word we constantly receive from the altar. Indeed, Jesus is Lord. Put your hands together for the Lord. Our second testifier is Brother McLeod, who testifies of supernatural academic success through prophetic declarations. He's saying that he went to Gambia School of Law for a postgraduate degree from November 2021 to September 2022. In the course of his studies, he failed two papers. So he could not graduate until he rewrote them on, from Tuesday 13th to Friday 15th December 2022. And he's saying that a friend invited him to church. So after writing his first paper on Tuesday, 13th December 2022, he came for the communion service. He realized that he needed supernatural in intervention. So he saw daddy after the service and daddy prayed for him, declaring that every mountain was moved. That declaration strongly boosted his faith for the rest of the exams. From then on, he started following daddy's teachings keenly and abided by what he thought. People of God. On 20th January, he received an email from the school that he had passed all two papers, meaning that he could finally graduate. Hallelujah. 
our prophet is surely for our prophets and his declarations open impossible doors for us amen put your hands together as we receive a live testimony from minister wesley hello supernatural good church um please help me thank jesus the owner and the builder of this church and also help me acknowledge my father our father the bishop for this opportunity to share my testimony so my testimony is um supernatural intervention in my academics so on the seat of june um i think it was a tuesday service and when the service was coming to an end daddy felt in his spirit oh sorry daddy was led by the holy spirit to call out people who are going to face a panel of um maybe judges or lecturers so when i heard that um announcement i just came forward so daddy laid hands on people who came forward so the following day i had um, my defense to you know defend and review so when i went to when i went on campus people were scared there was one lady who was supposed to defend her before i go in but she fainted because of the um you know pressure, pressure. exactly she was having an asthma so i went when they called me i went i defended my project and then one of the lecturers there were three i know all of them they are my lecturers but one was like you you're a lazy boy <laughs> you're a lazy boy i won't let you graduate because you are not in my class which was research method class so I couldn't even explain myself, and the two other lecturers were also surprised. And they were asking, um, Wesley, what's happening? So I kept quiet, and I just thanked God, and I went home. The following day, my lecturer texted me that, Wesley, um, Prof has sent you an email, but have you seen it? I said no, because I don't usually check my mail. So when I check my mail, it says that um, can graduate. That's the subject or the title of the um, mail. So it says that um, Wesley, can, Wesley can graduate because he's such true, um, the research method class throughout, so he can graduate. So God willing, this December, I will be graduating. So I just want to, so I just want to um, encourage you all to um, hold on to Bishop Square because when the Spirit of God speaks through him, he confirms the word of his servants. Thank you. Finally, put your hands together in anticipation that the same God that has done it for them will do it for you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the vision segment on SBS. On today's vision segment, we take a look at David Green, a mysterious business giant who started to sell picture frames from his family home. These are some facts about him. The 81-year-old is the CEO of Hobby Lobby, an arts and crafts American retail company with a chain 900 stores worth 13.2 billion US dollars, according to Forbes. As a preacher's son from a poor background, he and his five siblings and parents relied on picking cotton and gifts from the church. David Green started Hobby Lobby in his garage with a seed capital of $600 in 1970. He went on to work at least 40 hours a week when he was in his junior and senior years. He says his greatest success is his children serving the Lord. In the future, he plans to give 90% of his company to charity. 
with the remaining 10% going to family. He believes that God's economy works and says that you cannot outgive God and wealth necessarily does not make you generous. He believes that two things are most important, the word of God and the soul of man at the end of their life here on earth. Based on the above mentioned, let's all rise up and make the following positive affirmations. So we are all making the affirmations here. So we go together. I, then you mention your name. I, Adam Nyonato. I am the head and not the tail. I will walk in abundance and the riches of Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. I am in the overflow of God's love. I cannot be refused. I am too blessed and highly favored. Strange doors and opportunities open unto me. The nations are open to me, and I can never, ever, ever be poor. Thank you very much. Please, you may be seated. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the October edition of SBS. Our resource person for tonight, Dr. Eric Inkansa. Dr. Eric Nkansa is a Director General of the Ghana Education Service GES. Over the years, he has worked as a subject teacher, banker, lecturer, and policymaker. Between the years 2000 and 2006, he taught at Christian Education Complex Junior High School and Kintampo Senior High School, both at Kintampo. In 2007, he joined Barclays Bank of Ghana, now APSA, where he worked for about six years and rose to the position of sales manager. In 2010, whilst working with the bank, he lectured part-time at the Business School of Garden City University College, Kumasi. In 2012, he left the bank and took up a full-time lecturer position at Kumasi Technical University and a part-time lecturing job at the Graduate School of the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, KNUSD. He rose to the position of senior lecturer at the Kumasi Technical University. In 2014, Dr. Inkansa founded Career Spring Institute, a licensed institution provider for trained members of local and international professional bodies and specialized consultancy for small, medium, and large corporations. He worked as the executive director and the lecturer at the institute. In April 2021, he joined the Ministry of Education on secondment from the university as the director in charge of tertiary education and a technical advisor to the Minister for Education. He contributed immensely to the formulation of educational policies at the ministry. On 19 October 2012, His Excellency the President, Nana Adudangwa Ekufuadu, appointed him as the Director General of Ghana Education Service, a position he holds presently. He holds a PhD in Financial Economics from the University of Zululand, South Africa, a Master of Business Administration Finance from KNUSC Business School, Ghana, and BA Economics from the University of Cape Coast, Ghana. Dr. Inkansa also serves on a number of boards, committees, and governing councils 
just to name but a few. Chairman, West Africa Examination Council, Wayek, Ghana. Member, the Ghana Education Service, among others. Dr. Inkansa is passionate about educating and developing people and believes that educating the population is the fastest way to transform our country. He's happily married to his dear wife, Ikea Pokwa Kwating, and they've been blessed with four children. As a committed Christian, he fellowships at the Holy Hill Chapel Assemblies of God. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to the podium Dr. Eric Inkansa. Thank you very much. Please, can we sit down? I, I think that I get intimidated if my papa is standing for me. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. I, I think that we, we know I am not here for a sermon because there are God-anointed men of God here who are most qualified for that job. So, um, forgive me if I'm not doing much of that. I... First of all, would want to offer a few gratitudes. First of all, to the Almighty God for his uncommon favor upon my life and how far he's brought me. May I take the opportunity to say a very big thank you to Reverend Dr. Kojo Boatin Bimpa, our spiritual father and our mother, for this unique opportunity to share my life lessons on this altar. Papa, I don't take it for granted. Thank you very much. I appreciate that very much. May I also thank His Excellency, the President of the Republic, Nana Adodankwe Kufuado, for appointing me to this high office. Right. So, I... Thank you very much. I, I, I would also want to take this opportunity to um, express a deep sense of gratitude to the man that I have taken as a father and a mentor, my boss, the Honorable Minister for Education, Dr. Yao Osei Duchum, the Minister for Education and the MP for Bosomche, for giving me a lifetime opportunity to serve at the ministry as a director tertiary and also as his technical advisor and subsequently recommending me to the president for this appointment i appreciate him so much i have a long list i can't exhaust them i have a very big family so may i also appreciate my family my parents some of whom are right here in this room for all the support that i've enjoyed and um for the short period that i was told that I'll be doing this today, I've been working with a very big team, the SBS team, Irajua, they have done a great job. And my team is also here from GES. I thank them so much for all the support. So we'll get into why we are here today to share my life lessons. I'm told I have only 45 minutes. Um, time is my enemy tonight, but whatever it is, I'll try and box everything in. This one hour, 15 minutes. Thank you so much, Papa. This church has taught us a lot. When I was asked to come and talk about my life lessons and what I have done and what I think, 
the youth of this church should do to be able to rise to higher positions, I said to myself that the church is preaching good and the sermons that we hear from this church to a very large extent will be the very same things that if we practice at our workplaces, we would actually go very far. So I would talk about briefly about my early life, then I get into education. That has already been done, so I'm not really going to pay so much attention to the education. Then I'll talk briefly about my career, family life. Then the most important one, which is the life lessons, the lessons learned, which I would love to share with all of us here. I am from Ashanti Achimiga, so for those of you from Ashanti region, I'm sure you know that. That was where I was born, um, to Mr. and Mrs. in Kansas, uh, Matthew Aquin Kansas and Rose in Kansas, Mrs. Then, after a while, I spent most of my formative years um, in Konongo, also in Ashanti Achim. That is where I had my basic and secondary education. So later, I'll come to that. I'm from a regular Ghanaian family. Um, I wouldn't say that um, we were paupers. Neither would I say we're rich, no. Um, a very, very regular Ghanaian home. I was born to a father who was working as a fireman, which is a fire service. My mom was a caterer. It's still a caterer because they're both alive. Um, mainly baking bread. So I'm from a bread home, right? Then growing up, a number of things happened. Personally, even before I started my secondary school, I got into a number of entrepreneurial activities. I just listed a few here that from selling ice water i don't know if any one of you here has actually done that you have okay then i can identify with you papa selling ice water shoe making anyone here nobody right good so i i can identify with a number of people here and to some extent even doing some photography and this was all before getting to secondary school so you can imagine this was all before getting into secondary school my education, I started at Konongo Mines LA. I deliberately brought the LA primary and GHS. So you know it's a Saito. <laughs> I, <laughs> that is where I started. Then I went to Konongo Udumazi Senior High School at Antiochim University, right? Then from there to University of Cape Coast, um, Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, where I had my master's at the University of Zululand. Um, a lot have been said about that, so I, I'm not going to go so much into that. In 2000, after I had completed my secondary school in 1999, I joined my dad. At the time, my dad had been transferred from Konongo to Kintampo. That was when I started work. I started working in a Christian service um, education, Christian education complex. Over there, I was teaching social studies. That was when I started my teaching career. Whilst teaching in the school, I started something for the secondary school in the same town, Kintampo. A group of young men from the school came to see me. I, at the time, social studies, you know, social I read economics, I read geography, and then I read history. So at the time, 
they came to me that they wanted help with geography and economics. I decided to do this for them pro bono, free. And they were coming to my school for this exercise. After every um, school day, these guys will come. And then it so happened that they were preparing to write the SSC at the time, now the works. They went and they passed very well. So the next cycle, the entire class decided to have a class in my school, Christian service. And the headmaster invited me. This time, I had not been to the university. Such a real privilege, a real opportunity. Invited me to the school and said that, young man, I know you are here to go to the university. In secondary school, you have to have a degree to teach here. But I have seen what you have been doing with my students. To the extent that the boys prefect and the girls prefect all break bounds and come to your school for classes, I want you to come here and start teaching formally in that school. At the time, he made an offer because I was paid um, one twenty thousand, which is twelve cities at CEC. He made an offer to pay me forty thousand. Was it for four hundred thousand, which is forty Ghana cities today? I was so happy, so I took up the offer. And then I started teaching. So when I started university, every vacation, I would come back and then teach geography in the school. Indeed, some of my students joined me in the university, at the University of Cape Coast. So that is how I used a period of two years to actually start teaching at a basic school and then also proceed to even secondary school way before I completed my my university education. Then national service, um, over there to a number of things happened. I came back to Konongo with health insurance. A number of things happened. Because of time, maybe the question and answer time, I will use that to explain that even further. Because after having taught for about six years, I felt that there was a need for me to also garner some experience from industry as well. So I chose to do it at health insurance. And over there, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. We'll be getting into the details of the presentation. Every opportunity I get, for me, is a learning ground. Even today, I'm still learning. So I learned a lot from there. Immediately thereafter, I got the opportunity to join Barclays Bank. Barclays Bank. And at the time, um, for those who knew Barclays Bank? Now it's called APSA. At the time, I was picked as a junior officer in the bank, and I was fortunate. And again, I would say fortunate because we started briefly at a Doom KPSC in Kumase, and then they detailed us to go and start a Honjo branch. So if anybody lived around a Honjo around 2007, 2008, you possibly might have seen me in that branch. We started a branch, and that was a good mind because it presented a lot of opportunities therein. I used that to learn almost everything that I needed to learn in banking. So we'll get there. I will never, and I never said that this is not what I am supposed to do, so I'm sticking to it. No. I learned everything. Tailoring, ATM custodianship, um, 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 vote custodianship, personal banking, Everything, operations. I learned everything. And um, we will be getting into that as we um, get into the presentation. Whilst in the bank, 
I'll tell you a story. The very first year that I joined the bank, Barclays, you're allowed to take a loan. And I'll always tell you, and it's also one of the things that a young graduate here should also perhaps pick from here. I took my first loan, and that was 15,000 Ghana cities. I'll mention it here. The moment I took that, this is a young man from the university, your first job. I decided that this money, this is how I'm going to distribute it. I'm going to do my master's out of it. And at the time, master's was 6,000 Ghana cities. I remember very well. 6,000 Ghana cities. Because I am working, I would need a car to move me from office to the school. So I got a small car, Toyota Kwame. Is it Kwame or that is the um, Corolla? Uh, uh, is it 2009 or something like that? Small one. That was 6,600 Ghana cities. So if you are doing your math, you realize that the money is almost gone, right? Then the last bit of it, I bought a plot of land because I had my own plan that by the time I'm 30, I should be done with my master's, I should be married and settled, right? And I should be thinking of doing my PhD. That was my target. So that was what I was working towards. And God's been so good, I was able to do that. In 2010, I graduated. Fast forward, I graduated from the um, Kwame Nkuma in, uh, University of Science and Technology with a master's in finance. Just that same year, I got the opportunity to teach in the university. So that was what took me back to classroom. I was there one afternoon. I got a call from KPSD, Edum branch. The call actually did not come to me. There was one senior officer called Eric. So they called Eric, and I was also Eric. So they asked Eric that they know that Eric is doing very well in customer service. We write exams in customer service in the bank, and I'm always doing very well. And in practice, I'm doing very well. Now, the head of business school of Garden City University is in, in the bank, and he wants somebody to teach customer service in the school. So, would Eric take the offer? The call came to me. I said, why not? So, I took it. So, I know that in all of this, it's not by might. It's by the favor of God. So, I started teaching there in 2010. I was still in the bank teaching in 2010. And I realized that I was doing very well because I've gotten the foundation right from the basic school. I've taught in the basic school for about two years. I've taught in the secondary school cumulatively for over four years. And I felt that that was a calling. That is what I have to do. So I took up the offer. I started teaching. The school began adding the courses. Before I realized, I had about four or five courses to teach in the school, both weekends and then in the evening. Then they called me and said, why would you consider to join us full-time? So that was when I began thinking that maybe this is a time for me to exit the bank and go and do my PhD. And a friend advised, okay, then why don't you go into the government university? I then uh, was fortunate, realized that Kumasi Technical University at the time was recruiting. I went there, I approached them. It was like a walk in the park. I met somebody who also held my hand and said that I will help you. Ishak Chebrubi. I'll help you. And then got me in as a full-time lecturer in that university. So at some point, I was teaching at Garden City University as part-time, Kumasi Technical University full-time, and then KNUSC, that same year, I joined the KNUSC Graduate School, and I was teaching there. So three universities, um, among other things, because Second Manipur University, also in India, I was teaching there also, um, all in support of this 
education of our country and so i have been doing a lot right from that time 2012 and the ultimate game here is for me to do my phd so once i got the opportunity i'm told you have to wait for about four or five years to be able to get assistance to pursue your um, phd so that you can get um, even study leave to do that i said no i can't wait i couldn't wait 2015 i started my phd in south africa and here i'll mention my wife because she gave me all the support for me to be able to do that Shuttling from here to south africa in a year i go to south africa like more than three or four times or to see my supervisor take courses and then in some cases i'll go and stay there for about six months whenever school vacates i take my scripts i mark them there in south africa then i send i transmit my results back i am saying this to encourage you and for you to know that you can chew gum and walk at the same time if you are working today it doesn't mean you can achieve your academic laurels at the same time because i have not stopped working after secondary school i've been working all through till now and so i can confidently say i have over 20 years of working experience but i have also schooled in the process so the question you should be asking yourself is that if you are schooling that in itself should not be an excuse you can at the same time be getting experiences also so that is what i have done and in 2014 one of the things that even propelled me and supported me so much to do my uh, phd was the career spring institute a school that i founded um, together with my wife again in kumasi this school um, is a tuition center provides tuition for ca provides tuition for cib provides tuition for sema icm and all the professional courses you can think of at the same time it's a consultancy firm we nurtured it in 2014 next year we'll celebrate our 10th anniversary i was the first ceo of the school executive director and at the same time lecturing in that school because the thing is if if you yourself don't teach how would you be able to convince other investing lecturers to come over and teach in your school so i was teaching and i was convincing my other colleagues in the university to also come and teach the school is still surviving today we have a new ceo we still have the investing lecturers teaching in the school we have been consulting both locally and internationally so um it tells you that this particular institution that we started in 2014 has supported me personally has supported the family and has supported a number of lecturers and teachers and even the staff working in this institution in kumasi asafo in 2021 i got a rare opportunity when the minister for education indeed this is a man that personally i admired from afar so when he was a deputy minister i was in touch with him i took him as a mentor he was mentoring me we used to talk a lot and then when he was elevated as a minister he said no i wouldn't let you sit in kumase with all the knowledge that you've garnered come to accra and support me so he brought me to accra to support him as his technical advisor and at the same time as a director in charge of tertiary education at the ministry so when 
I was leaving Kumasi. I came at the time I was a senior lecturer. And in fact, I had been a senior lecturer for about four years and I was ready and preparing myself to go for an associate professor. But the point is, it is all about God and country. So would you want to stay and then go for associate professor or you still want to come and help your country build its education system? And I think that your guess is as good as mine. I chose the latter. And now here I am, about two years into that role in October 2022. Today is exactly one year, 10 days. One year, 10 days. When His Excellency the President found me worthy to be appointed as the Director General for Ghana Education Service. So this is how I have traveled. The ice water seller, the shoemaker, the photographer, the guy who started teaching at CEC, even at some point teaching pro bono, is now the Director General, Ghana Education Service. As for family, I think I've been, you, you have already been informed about family. I am married to Ekia Pukia Kwatin, who is, herself is also a lawyer, and she has been a great support. Um, blessed with, you can see, um, I'm sure you are asking, if you've been married for 10 years, this gentleman there should be more than 10 years. Um, we, we have a very beautiful family. The, the three boys are biological and the other one is adopted and um, we are living together as one big family now this is my favorite part the lessons learned that is where we are going to um, spend some more time um, through it all I have a firm belief that it is God in everything that we do and I, I think that I can't be preaching to the Pope. The point is that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. I'm sure we all know that. And even this morning, we were told by Papa, and this was your quotation. I just picked it this morning, Matthew 6.33. We know we have to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us if you read proverbs 10 um, 9 10 also the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom so i am saying all of this to let you know that there is a god above who rules in the affairs of men when all is well we have to acknowledge him and when all is not going well to we have to acknowledge him so i am not going to give a sermon on this and as i've said because there are better qualified men of god here to do that but the point i'm trying to make to you is that in all things we need god and i started by telling you the kind of favor that is upon my life is uncommon it's not something that could have been just a coincidence or an accident it is only the favor of God that could take me to this level. Lesson number two, 
is that whatever your hands finds doing, do it to the best of your ability. Work hard. I remember when I was preparing the slides, I was told that um, SBS boss was telling me that we want to know how to get to where you are. We want to know. Tell us more. What, what is it that we need to do to get to that height? Please, if there is anything that you need to do, this is it. If you are an organist, just do it to the best of your ability. Do it with all your might, everything in you. You will be recognized. Whatever, and in all my life, everything, I always say, I either drink deep or I taste not. Once the opportunity presents itself, do it with everything in you, with all the passion. Because indeed, you see it as serving. And I'll talk about service also here, heart of service. You see it as serving. So everything, and that is supported by the scriptures. I'm not going to go into the scriptures. Um, but everything, wherever you find yourself, whether it's national service. I remember when I was in my national service at health insurance. At the time, we started together with about, I think, 11 or 12 service persons or personnel within the office. And then the MIS manager handpicked me and said, I'll work with you. I started working with him. I was doing everything. In fact, even the ones that he has not even asked me to do, I was doing that. As a service person, this, my manager, traveled to Canada at the time for six months. And I was acting MIS manager, a position that I've been so proud of as a service person acting MIS manager. And this is a guy who did economics and MIS. I learned everything about color coding, about networking, about database administration. These are things that I learned and stuck with me. The moment I joined the bank, it became very, very useful. So these were things I didn't learn it in school. And I never said that wasn't my job. My colleagues were saying, how could you be working? At the time, service allowance was about 400, which is about 40 cities or so. He was taking 600 Ghana cities, which is 6 million at the time. How could you be working, taking 40? Your boss will be taking 600, and he's traveled, and you're acting. And I said, no. Me, every opportunity, I feel that is a grounds for me to learn. And I learned a lot. I do every opportunity you give me, I try and do it to the best of my ability. That is the only way you'll be recognized. You don't have to put it here that because me, I want to go to direction A, it is only things of direction A that I'm going to do because you don't even know tomorrow. If you had asked me two or three years ago, I would never be able to tell you that I'll be a director general of Ghana Education Service today. Even few months before my appointment, I didn't know. So it's only God who can actually predict how or who you will become. And when he's doing that, it's based on the skills that you have learned. That, at the end of the day, he's going to use to bless his people. Um, lesson number three, I would ask you to look at this. Surround yourself with the right people. It's very important. Very, very important. Some of my friends, those who are very close to me, will tell me that, look, you can't drop your publications. You need to be doing your public. And they put me on my toes. They get topics, they push them, um, look, review this for me. They know that I need my publication so that by the time I leave the role, my associate professor will be ready. 
These are the kind of friends you need. The kind of friends who will contribute to your future, who will tell you that if you are deviating from your path, they will actually correct you and put you in line. And I'll share some of the testimonies of my uh, very close friends with you um, in a jiffy. So please surround yourself with the right people. As you are in school, you know those who will corrupt your mind and you know those who can help you to actually become who you want to become. The other lesson I want to share with you, don't limit yourself. Don't limit yourself to your role. And this is to those who have just started their careers. Don't limit yourself because look, every role that you have has a role profile in other words you have a job description and so somebody would say that look this is not in my job description so i'm not doing it if you do that you are blocking your own blessings for me once i'm in the organization once i am with i work within the organization i believe that the goal of the organization is what we are working towards it doesn't matter my role whatever my boss says i should do i will do it i will never ask questions that this is not part of my job this is not part of the contract that i signed i was recounting my experience at barclays bank i was recounting my experience at health insurance my experience at barclays bank was that when i was recruited i was picked anybody from upside here there's nobody here because they will understand this language i was picked as b1 that is the very first level for a graduate and once i got into the bank as a b1 i was detailed to work for a b uh, on a b3 role in other words they are paying you as a b1 but work as a b3 and many people would say that why if you are paying me 1000 and a b3 is paid 3000 why should i do a 3000 work when i am being paid 1000 i never worried about the money and one thing is that don't focus too much about the money and i'm speaking to the young people don't because if you master if you have the experience if you have worked enough to merit any higher position the money itself will flow in at a time that you least expected so i do everything and the same thing when i was working as a director tertiary i was doing everything even if it's kg I was doing it there was no technical paper that was written to um, um, cabinet for the minister that i wasn't a part of whether kg whether primary whether ghs working on saturdays working on sundays with the minister i never questioned for once why is it that i'm a director in charge of tertiary education working for all tertiary institutions and the colleges of education across the country but doing things which are not of tertiary never question Little did I know that I was going to be taken to a pre-tertiary. Little did I know. Little did I know. So the point I'm making to you is that you don't have to, at any point in time, question that. And here is why. If you allow yourself, we are saying that never ever say that this is not part of my job description. Because if you take up that challenge, what you are trying to do is to exposing yourself to new experiences. And experience is not sold in the market you know experience people want the opportunity just to get the experience so they can put it on their cv 
you 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 barely get that opportunity but now you are within the organization you have been given the opportunity to be exposed to new experiences and you are saying what is not part of your job description no take it up do it again it will open new doors for you because as you are doing it your bosses will always recognize you it will amaze you people look at you anytime you're working sometimes we think that people are not watching us every single one is being watched so whatever it is that you're doing please we have already said you do it to the best of your ability never question that this is not part of my job description and again it will help you to leapfrog the number of years of experience because the truth is whilst working in the bank what i did there in six years the experience that i garnered should be an experience for somebody who had worked there for about 25 years because you stay on a b1 role as a teller minimum five or six years there are no even guarantees that you're going to be promoted because it's up, um, equal opportunity employer and so the promotion comes only when you have attended the interview and performed so somebody can be on that role for even 10 years 20 years 15 years still a teller but you move there to even the next level as atm and cash custodian or a back teller for another five or six years you move there as a personal bank for another five or six years operations so you can imagine for you to be able to get the opportunity to experience it you needed about 25 years but just because i availed myself to be used at all these levels without question i got the experience that another could have used about 25 years to get so that is a point i mean by leapfrogging the experience that you're supposed to have so never at any point in time question this and this reverend prince i told you i'll be telling you what you told us last week sunday I believe that for you to be able to rise you need to make sacrifices it's important and this is what we are doing as christians in church and so what i was trying to say is that the principles that we have in this church and because we have a good church the teachings here are seriously applicable to what happens in the world of work so you would we were taught in the church that we need to sacrifice sacrifice our money sacrifice our body sacrifice our comfort and our time all of these are applicable all of these and i was telling you a story about how i did my phd at some point when i get to south africa i was sleeping for only three hours even three hours was i getting it because you wake up in the morning you sit in the library till it's about 12 midnight you come you find something to eat you sleep just about one or two hours you get up and then you study again because i know i don't have all the time i was doing this so what was i doing i was sacrificing my comfort i was sacrificing my body i was and because i knew where i want to get to that i needed to put in a lot of effort to be able to do the phd and i'm sure for those um reverend actually knows that it's not easy to be able to go through these papers for you to um, eventually complete the phd and when i did that i was able to complete in record time i started a phd in 2015 i completed in 2018 three years i graduated it hardly happened that is a record so you need to kill the body 
you need to spend money these days i mean we are in a skills economy 21st century the fourth industrial revolution a lot of things are happening the skills that we have learned in school most of them are becoming obsolete so you would need to pay money to take up short courses this is coding robotics at the order of the day internet of things so those are the soft skills critical thinking problem solving communication collaboration the kind of skills that you require to survive in this fourth industrial revolution you are supposed to invest money so you would need to as a matter of agency think about sacrifices and sacrifice because you are thinking of tomorrow thinking of tomorrow so you sacrifice what you have today to be able to achieve whatever you want to do in um, the future so that is um, about your um, sacrifices your time comfort and everything then lifelong learning lifelong learning i always tell my staff that the day you cease to learn that day you cease to grow if you stop learning then it means that where you are you are comfortable you don't want to you don't want to grow again the world is changing and changing rapidly so we must at all times be learning i still learn so must you a professor here is still learning because if you don't learn then you don't want to grow for me i know where i want to get to and so at any point in time i am praying hard that in spite of my busy schedule at least i can spare some time to learn something new to improve my skills so whatever it is that you're doing just have it at the back of your mind you completing your first degree doesn't mean you are not learning again learning does not take place only in the four walls of your classroom no once you leave the lecture theater there is more to learn than you ever imagined that and these days it's so easy to learn videos abound on um, on youtube and and a lot of articles a lot of content are on the internet that you can have access to so when you go to youtube what do you do there do you watch movies or you take classes there you can take classes virtually you can do all manner of things these days to improve your skills so lifelong learning would actually help you to grow then again treat people equally don't treat people based on their class wealth or position but based on the fact that you're treating people because they are human beings uh, if you have that at the back of your mind you will not run into troubles i can tell you the people that can lead you to one your destiny helper or can open doors for you you don't come with that written that inscription on their forehead there could be ordinary people that can lead you to your destiny me standing here somebody may ask how i even got to know the minister it was through a student i taught a student i taught way back in 2010 at garden city university so the question is that if i didn't have any respect for any of my students and if i wasn't teaching well 
would any of my students recommend me because the man needed somebody and said this my lecturer was so good and maybe i need to invite him or maybe i need to connect you connected me and the rest is history yeah that is where i am now so i always believe that you treat people equally don't treat people based on their class respect everyone me when you come to my office even the cleaners the the the, the security people the, everyone i accord them with the same level of respect that i would do to even my superiors other lessons get a mentor i told you i had a mentor in fact i don't have one mentor i have several of them get a mentor to guide you wherever you want to get to somebody has been there so who is guiding you who is guiding you get somebody to guide you show gratitude at all times i think that gratitude is not something that you do once and you're done show gratitude at all times no one likes ingratitude no one wants somebody who would not show appreciation so at all times whenever you are given any opportunity i mean thank you will not take any money from you would it show appreciation at all times most importantly honesty is the best policy in everything that we do honesty honesty so be honest in everything you do make sure you have integrity make sure that you have integrity somebody can stand somewhere and vouch for you somebody can recommend you in high places if you are dishonest i don't think that i would want to be disgraced that i sit in high places and then we need somebody to actually occupy a certain sensitive position then i would recommend you no but i would say that this guy is honest he's is somebody who cherishes and always protecting his integrity so let's get him on board so if someone cannot say this about you then maybe you have not proven that enough let's be honest in all that we do and we say that integrity is what you do when no one is watching i am watching the time but i i'll be wrapping up very soon i'm also thinking that one of the things that has worked for me is having a heart of service having a heart of service and the quotation there is from our papa that you gave us this quote that a call to prosperity is serving god and we are serving god i would not talk more about that because you can go for that sermon and watch and i'm saying that this is also true in your career growth serve serve and serve if you don't serve anyone nobody will serve you if you don't serve so if you really want to get to the top then you must have a heart of service if you are not serving anyone forget it 
nobody serves you. It's just that principle. So at any point, whatever role that you have, just make sure that you are serving humanity. It is my belief that serving humanity is serving God. Because whatever you're doing, if it is for God and country, then it means that you know this job I'm doing is to make an impact, to serve humanity. And as Christians, if our number one goal is to serve God, then let's serve humanity as well. From church, we go to work, and instead of us, to, the customers that come to us, instead of us to even having time to serve them, we think that we are tired. Or sometimes, um, you are just lazing around without even attending to your customers the way you should. Your bosses, me, for me all the time I talk about customers, I talk about both internal customers and external customers. Internal customers are the people you are working with. Somebody has brought a letter to your table, you know you can actually use a minute or two to go, go through it and then sign. You let it lie on your desk for two weeks. You let it lie there for two weeks. But you know it could have been done in five minutes or less. Are you serving? No. Are you serving your boss? Are you really working to ensuring that your boss succeeds? Are you really? So those are the questions that I think you should be asking yourself. And in all of this, you serve in humility. Because for me, I believe that if you humble yourself, then service wouldn't be difficult for you. And there's something that uh, that he said, and I quoted him again. He said that for me, even at funerals, when I go to funerals, I arrange chairs. I don't care about titles. Because you can have titles without entitlement. Papa, you said this two weeks ago. So even the man of God is serving. Who are you not to serve? So please, let's all have a heart of service. And serve. And that question that Iraja was asking me, how do we get there? After doing all of that, you can easily get there without even knowing. And I would say that before I look at the last slide, you must have a growth mindset at all times. There's a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. But if you really want to grow in career, you must have a growth mindset. And a growth mindset is simply believing that everything is possible. Whatever you set out your mind to do, it is possible. If you have a fixed mindset, you have closed your mind. Look, me, in my house, nobody has ever been to the university. So you think that that is the way we are. Me, from a humble background, a shoemaker, an ice water seller, do you think you can get to this height? You close your mind to it. You can't even work towards it. I believe I can be everything and anything that I want to become. And that is why where I have gotten to, I think is only a springboard. I have not arrived because if I feel that I have arrived, I will not be learning. I am still learning and I'm still thinking it's a grounds for me to still garner experience to propel me to higher heights. And that is a mindset everybody must have. Wherever you are, do not be complacent. It doesn't matter how high. 
Because wherever you are, there is somebody above you. You can always, always improve and do better. And the only way you can do that is ensuring that you have a growth mindset. So you're open to change and adopt to new situations. And again, embrace challenges. When the challenges come, see them as opportunities. And don't just um, be cowed into thinking that this is coming in to break me. No, it won't break you. It will even make you better. So ask yourself, I think that all these, what I want to leave with you is if you are a young graduate, if you are working in your early career, there are some questions I want to ask you. Where do you want to see yourself? So the question you wanted to ask me, I'm asking you, where really do you want to see yourself in, let's say, five years, ten years? This is a question they usually ask in interviews, right? Good. Exactly where or who do you want to become? Then, once you have answered that question, you should now be researching about the skills that you require, that you need to be able to get there. Once you ask or you are able to identify the skills, ask yourself whether you have them. Way back 1999-2000, I knew that computers were the order of the day. I didn't have a computer. I couldn't boast of a desktop. The secondary school where I, I taught, before I started teaching there, I actually got closer to the laboratory technician because I knew they had a computer there. So whenever the lab tech guy comes in, I go there on vacations. I go there and start learning how to type. And interestingly, there was once we were living there, I saw one keyboard detached from all the machines. And he said, it's spoiled. And I said, can I have the keyboard? Because I really wanted to start typing. And then he showed me the ASDF thing. Um, So I took a keyboard which was not connected to any machine. I took it home. Whilst lying on my bed, I would be practicing how to type. I knew at the time that skill was important. I needed to acquire it. And that was the way I was improvising to learn. Fast forward, I got to the university and I was typing. I could type up to 45 words per minute. Writing my project, I typed my own project when others were looking for typees to type their project. And I was even typing for others. Today, it's not just about typing. It's about coding. What can you code? What programming language do you understand? That is not a reserve of only the computer scientist. Everybody must at least learn a language. My son, who is eight years, types 54 words per minute. I have never been able to do it. But he started very early because I nurtured and I, now he's starting coding. So I am only trying to encourage you that identify the skills that you need and then begin to make a conscious effort to learn them. And I made a statement here, look, personal growth is personal. 
nobody will grow you you must ensure that you are growing yourself so you must at any point in time commit that look i need to improve in these skills identify the skills that you need and whatever means and these days you see education has become so easy during our days there wasn't any youtube right and and even if it, there, it, there was it wasn't as pervasive as today today you can open a particular lecture and you a particular topic and you have a whole lecture section on youtube for free so if you can't learn today if you can't learn a new skill today i don't know when because research, research has actually shown that 40 to 60 percent of the jobs that we see today will not exist in about five to ten years to come but it doesn't mean that you won't get anything to do there are new jobs also coming up how ready are you prepare yourself for it do a personal sort analysis at all times your strength your weaknesses the opportunities threats if you do that at all times you would be able to identify the weaknesses you will be able to identify what you need to work on to better yourself in this 21st century what we always say is that you would need the four c's all right the critical thinking the communication the collaboration and which one the last c is what communication collaboration critical thinking and problem solving and then um, you must ensure that you are creative creativity is the highest order of knowledge of learning so please identify that and then work on it so this is actually supposed to be my last slide but i want to leave you with something all these things that i'm talking about i earlier mentioned that surround yourself with like-minded people people that can shape you and can get you to your destiny all the friends that i started with and had the same mindset have all gotten to places that in, they never even envisioned that they'll be there when i was coming here i told nelson nelson is a very good friend of mine he's currently the ceo of InnoHub. he was at university of ghana and i was at ucc he's one of my bosom friends nelson also tells a story nelson has actually sold ice water before like me he's also from a very humble background and when he tells you his story you would shiver but now nelson following the same things that i have just shared with you so just for you to understand and validate the things that i have just shared with you he followed the same things and now he actually manages companies not only in Ohab. he consults for nations not just one country for nations so nelson give us something i'll share the slides with you so you can read that because of time then fifi is also another friend in fact the two of them were in university of ghana and they did the same course fifi tells a, a chilling story look he he actually said something that whatever your hand finds doing do it with all your might we have already shared that and these are words coming from them i, I we just I took it from them without telling them what I was coming to share. I just decided to share with you 
and to validate the things that we have just discussed for you to know they work. And Fifi said something that David was actually in the bush tending sheep. And then he was called. That bush experience he had was what he used to defeat Goliath. Then he became a king. So he was asking, what is your bush experience? What is your own bush experience? Whilst in school, are you doing internship on vacations? Because those internships that you do will be on your CV as an experience. Nobody will say that this experience is not valid because it was um, intention. No. It's a skill we are looking for. So if you have that skill, how you acquire the skill is immaterial. The most important thing is for you to have the skill. So your bush experience is very important. It doesn't matter where you start from. It doesn't matter what you do. Because when God is blessing you, he really doesn't care what you read. Fifi wanted to be a medical doctor. The school that he chose to go and do science, he missed it. He didn't get it. Then he got another school. And they gave him business. He did it. He came out with a stellar performance. But unfortunately, didn't get to um, admin University of Ghana. He was given sociology, religion, archaeology, and I think linguistics. So he told me at the time, and I remember this because we have actually been childhood friends, that you know what, I'll go and do my best and see if I can get a GPA that can at least get me there in my second year. He tried. He couldn't get it. So the idea was for him to move to um, University of Cape Coast to come and do become at a time. He said that, look, I'm in, sec- I'm in second year. Let God um, do what he wants to do with me. And he did it. He came out with a first class. After that, he started working with UNDP, working with other development agencies. Now Fifi is a project manager at Talo Oil. The, the kind of salary that he's taking, I think it will be the annual gross of a medical doctor. So, you, you, you just cannot understand God. Just obey these principles work sign the corner brighten the corner where you are whatever that your hand finds doing please do it with all your might in the case of Fifi he never thought he eventually uh, measured in sociology and religion so one would have thought sociology and religion would you get to this level good but he's a project, project manager there whatever he finds whatever he lays his hands on he does it with a passion he learns on the job and at the end of the day that is what matters so ladies and gentlemen i want to leave you with the stories of these two brothers of mine maybe at the appropriate time we'll see if we are liaise with them if they themselves can come and tell their story to our people here but i want to again thank you sbs team and i want to thank you papa for this opportunity i'll be available for questions and answers thank you very much for your time the first question is um do you have to be affiliated to a political party before being elected as a director of ges 
No, please. No. You don't have to. It's a technical position. Okay. Then the second question is, um, the, with respect to the Akosombo spillage, what is the educational impact or the assessment on how edu gun education is also? Because I'm sure there are schools. Yes, we have. Um, we have done some assessment, um, the details of which will be out in the public domain. I think this will be the first platform that I'll be mentioning this. Um, the impact is big. As we speak now, about 32,000 of our pupils are displaced. Um, 1,280 of our teachers are not working at the moment, and 90 schools are affected. So um, we are doing a number of things to ensuring that we mitigate the impact it will have on their outcomes. We have activated our TV and radio learning, but we know that um, at this stage they may not even have access to the TV um, but radio is also there and we have some workbooks that um, we are sharing with them currently I, I think that some have already gone to the ground and we are sending more the last I think last week the whole team from the Ministry of Education and GES visited and then supported them with some relief items and then we're there to ascertain and then assess the impact there this week we are using it to roll out what we call the education and emergency um, contingency plan um, for those of you um, in the industry i'm sure you know about business continuity plan and that um, as, as a service we also have so rolling it out comes with a number of components which includes the virtual learning it also comes with some materials that kids can use even when they are home but to also allay your fears and comfort you, um, we are working very hard to bring them back to school um, as soon as the water subsides. So more of this will be revealed through a presser um, in, the, in the coming days. All right. All right. Thank you very much. There's a question here who says that, was there times when you intended doing something but didn't succeed? And how, yes. And how did you pull through it? Right. Um, so that is why one of the things that I said that I have enjoyed uncommon favor. One of the things that I completed secondary school in 1999. And during our time, it's not like today that the same year you can go to school. Um, those of us who were around that time, you knew that we had to be home for two years. And that was the two years that I was using to teach. And I wanted to read a particular course at KNUSC. I was um, one of the best students in my class anyway, but I wouldn't say that my results was so elegant. I applied. Unfortunately, at the time, during those times, you could buy about three forms. We could only afford one, so I bought KNUST. And then I failed to get admission that year. Given that you are seen to be one of the brightest sports in your class, and your mates are going to school, 2001, and you are still home, it was unheard of. 
it felt like your world has crumbled has come to an end so you would see when i was talking about my education i didn't even add kipkus technical university i was there for one year during that period i felt that no i cannot be here because everybody knows that i have to be in the university i just told my parents fortunately Cape Coast Technical University, at the time Cape Coast Polytechnic was still doing admissions and I was told that I could do tourism. I applied. I did very well there, but that wasn't my destination. I went there and one of the things that I learned, the lessons that I learned was that even the course that I was so desperately willing to do, wasn't something that i knew about i didn't know a lot about it so my getting through the polytechnic at the time taught me got me closer to understand how the university programs are even structured and i, I got to know the content the course outline and i said nah this is not what is good for me so i got to know what i actually wanted which was economics that is what led me to ucc the following year so you you realize that even though i was supposed to have been in school 2001 i went to school in 2002 and then i went to ucc and i did a program that has served me so well till today so i believe that sometimes when all seems lost that is why i mentioned in, in a growth mindset you must embrace any challenge any problem that comes because therein that challenge lies an opportunity it was in that particular challenge that phase of my life that got me closer to ucc that got me closer to understand even the programs they have there and that got me closer to do a program which i really wanted to all along and I, I can bet you I have never regretted ever that phase of my life. So yes, there are times that you so want to do something that may fall through the cracks, but you will need to pick up the pieces and move on. Thank you very much. Let's put times together. Um, so Doc, there's a question here. Once a teacher and now a Director General of Education, he says, has the Ghana Education Curricula done enough to bring students to their fullest potential in this dispensation and a follow-up question to that that as part of the self-trading or workshops does the gs have intentions to introduce new courses and models such as the coding the cyber security etc in our educational system thank you yes um i'll start from the curricula the I've just told you that the world is changing and changing rapidly. And so even the way we learn uh, is it's actually what? Changing. The curricula that was used at a basic school level, right from KG, Ghana's basic school starts from the KG, the primary, which is six years, and then the JHS. The curriculum that was used then was what we call the objective-based curriculum. So when you go to school at the end of this lesson, you should be able to um, one recite this, two do this, three. So the the it was objective driven. 
now we realize that in the 21st century and the fourth industrial revolution requires a different approach and so we needed to have a review of our curriculum to get it in the format that will be consistent and compliant with the 21st century and that is why we have moved away from what we call the objective-based curriculum to what we call the standards-based curriculum which is measuring standards and actually talking about competence so when we say a child is completing class one we know that by the time this child completes class one this is what a child is expected to do we are not looking at what you are going to learn out of a lesson we are looking at competence what are you able to do and all the 21st century skills the five c's that i was talking about creativity communication collaboration and critical thinking are seriously embedded in this curriculum which is what we believe would work in the 21st century beyond the basic school we are also doing same for the secondary school curriculum in fact we are the very final stage about 90 percent done with the secondary school as for the basic school we are actually in the third year of implementation now so um we are good with the basic school the secondary schools we are doing it and most importantly what you hear the um education minister talks about and mostly when i also mount a platform i talk about is the fact that we are actually driven towards what we call the science technology engineering and mathematics stem education because stem has all the four components of the the four c's that i talked about and then stem also incorporates the coding the internet of things the 3d printing the nanotechnology and all the skills that one needs to survive in this fourth industrial revolution indeed as we speak now there are 10 stem schools schools that are built purposely for stem education last was it last year or two between the last year and then um, the previous year we have operationalized five of these schools this year we are hoping to add about three to the stream and in these schools you go there and all the things that we are talking about as the 21st century skills are there we have machines we have the, the fit for purpose laboratories where these second cycle institutions or second secondary school students can learn the things that we are talking about even before they get to tertiary level so robotics they are learning they are learning coding they are learning the nanotechnology internet of things and so on beyond that the government is also building what we call the steam centers steam is just them and then we have introduced arts in it the steam centers are supposed to be in existing campuses as we speak now if you go to accra high there is one there in fact it was last latter part of last year that we commissioned it you should be there to see the young ones right from basic school so it was built for the people the schools around so the kids go there to learn coding the kids go there to learn 3d 4d printing the kids go there to learn internet of things they go there to learn the programming languages that perhaps you and i have not been exposed to so yes ges working with the minister or the ministry of education we are doing a lot 
to making sure that at least the things that we are teaching in our classrooms will be very consistent and compliant in the 21st century. But of course, you know, it will not take a day. It would actually be a gradual process. So yes, we are doing that. Thank you very much for your question. Right. Right. Thank you, Doc. There's a question here who says, what do you do when you are always bombarded with a lot of work simply because you have availed yourself at the office and also proved to be competent in almost every area, like you said? He says, I have a situation where I'm always burdened with different job descriptions which are not on my job description, which sometimes makes me more works over time and under stress. That's in extreme cases because they know you are available and all that. Now the question is, is it okay to allow that simply because I need to gain experience or perhaps there are limits, of, there are limits to the workload that I should accept? All right. So um, this, this is a very useful question, I'm sure, to all of us. Um, because much as you want to garner experience, I don't also want to think that you really want to kill yourself in the process. Um, you know yourself. Everybody knows what the limit you can take. Um, some of us sometimes get too workaholic. My staff, they are here. Sometimes I leave office at nine, sometimes eight. But not all of us can do that. Uh, um, usually, we will be in the office first thing in the morning, sometimes before seven. Most of the time, 6.30, we are in the office. We leave office very late. And in all of this, we are working. Uh, but not everyone can take that. I mean, um, some people may even have health conditions and all that. The point that I was making with not rejecting the offer of accommodating things beyond your job description is not to say that if you can't even carry that load, you must... I mean, your boss would understand if, he feels that, if you feel that what load he's giving you is going to take you to like 3 a.m. at was in the office he wouldn't even push that you continue with it he will let you close from work and come and continue the next day sometimes also you can intersperse this by working weekends look at this stage we are we are it depends on which stage you are but at this stage in your early career you want to leapfrog experience and at the same time we have learned that we are killing our body do you get it? We have learned that we are sacrificing our time. So the question I'm asking, that spare time that you get outside of you not doing it, what do you do with it? In economics, we'll measure and see the opportunity cost of not doing what you have been asked to do. So I, I would not be able to put a cap on it and say that, um, okay, work up to eight. And so sometimes also it's not a number of hours that you work. It's the amount of work in the hours. So working smart is very, very important. Somebody can use an hour to do something that somebody will use five hours to do. Right? So work smart. Learn how can you smartly go around this task. The whole idea here is do not reject the offer to do something merely because it's not part of your job description. That is the point that I was making. But if that is going to break you down health-wise, have a conversation with your boss or your line manager, and I'm sure you can still do this in a manner that is not going to break you down. Thank you very much.
let's do it better to prof um, to doc Look, there's a question here with regards to the vocational education system. As she says, why is it that Ghana education system does not regard vocational education as the way it does for the SHS educational programs? Because I realize that the, the vocation rather has skills. The polytechnics have skills, but they rather be concentrating more on the theoretical. And that's what he wants to know. Thank you very much. That's also another misconception. The Pre-Tertiary Education Act at 1049, 2020, did something for us. That has never happened in this country. What it did was that before the SHS program was the same um, um, program that does home economics, and the other vocational, um, so that, that's the ones that we call the secondary technical. And then we had a whole set of vocational institutions which were dotted around the country. Some from OIC, some from man, um, is it, um, NVTI, some, and which were not properly structured and governed, like what a Ghana Education Service does. But the Act 1049 created a similar organization as GES, which we call the Ghana TVET service. If you go to East Legon, that's where they are, office, a very big office. That's where they are. They also have a director general and a deputy director general. In fact, two deputy director generals, just like GES. And what they are doing is concentrating on building the TVET aspect of our education. For me, if there has been any time that TVET has been given any prominence, it is the time of creating this TVET service. So the Director General of TVET service thinks about nothing except TVET. And for now, she has over 200 schools. All the schools that were under NVTI, OIC, the Ministry of Employment and Labor Relations, all of them have been put together and have been put under the ministry, which is being managed by the TVET service. And I can tell you, if you go to the TVET service centers now, the kind of machines, equipment that they have equipped this place with, and the people that they are training, people building cars, people building, and so there's even a fusion between STEM education and TVET now. So places where we are doing STEM, we are also doing TVET. So maybe we need to do more by talking to the public so that the public gets to know some of these things. It is never the case that we are not looking at TVET. I am not even better qualified to talk about TVET now because it doesn't fall under Ghana Education Service. It is now under Ghana TVET Service with its own Director General. So maybe one of these days, SBS, we can invite TVET to come and then showcase what is being done in the area of TVET. But just to comfort you, it has not been neglected at all. It's actually being attended to. Right. Thank you, Doc. Now, combine these two questions. Um, one wants an advice on he completing SSS in 2006 but then unfortunately couldn't seize the opportunity to further the education. And so he's asking that 
should he or she take the regular path or the professional path and what school would you suggest for such a person okay so this is a conversation that i believe i need to sit with a person because i need to understand what course that he read that's the first second what are his career aspirations what he wants to do what is he doing currently is he working or he's just at home um the thing about academic and professional pathways is that i would encourage the two because the two pathways do two different things so you can have academic and you can have professional but clearly this particular person i'm sure we can have a conversation after this section thank you very much doc do you necessarily have to do many things before you discover your purpose say it again do you do you necessarily have to do many things you sold ice water you have to be a shoe shine boy you have to <laughs> before you discover your purpose so so you think that i i actually took delight in being a shoe shine boy and right and then um sell ice water and all that uh, the, the thing about um life is that a lot of things come our way that we don't determine and i'm sure you all agree that you don't determine for example the family you're born into right and that is not to say that you must necessarily sell ice water or do shoemaking to be successful some people were built okay some people were born into homes where they were fed with golden spoons but they have still made it so that um, necessarily does not mean that if you don't do all the things that i have just talked about you won't be successful please pick the lessons those are the very important things whatever your hands find doing whether you sold ice water before or you've done shoemaking before please do it to the best of your ability that is all that matters thank you so doc finally finally somebody wanted to know if there is a future in the Ghana education system where one day it won't be more theory but practical absolutely absolutely um otherwise then i would have failed as a director general that's what i'm working on that's what we are working on as a service so um this question actually goes without saying we are putting in place a lot of structures and i believe that you've heard a number of them the kind of stem schools that we have across the country is comparable to any stem school anywhere in the world and the kind of training that we are giving to these teachers and the level of professionalism that we are taking our teachers to comparable to any and you know Ghanaian teachers are the best you can find anywhere most of them are teaching anywhere in the world in the UK they go there with their professional certificates and they start teaching so it's just a matter of getting them to do what we expect them to do it's just a matter of doing things that are consistent with the direction of what we call the education strategic plan education strategic plan 2018 to 2030 is actually envisaging that we're going to create or build a critical mass of young Ghanaians who are equipped with the 21st century skills that we have discussed here and that is exactly the path that we are following so yes I have a strong belief and hope that we would be able to achieve that otherwise then there is no point in some of us actually working 
at, at the service. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. So I'm discharged now, right? Okay, then I, I want to thank you again, Papa, for the opportunity. God bless you so much. You know, when you come to church, you don't only learn spiritual things. This is too practical. So please, we are blessed to have so many anointed, resourceful people to help us. I see you becoming the next GES director in Jesus' name. Lift your hands and let's pray. When you go home, sit down and go through all the lessons. Some of you don't be thinking that you always have to sell ice water before because now his, his son will not sell ice water anymore. So if you are able to asphalt the road and clear all the potholes, your child will go to school. By the time he's 21 now, one of my mates, his son is the, the youngest medical doctor who has graduated. And yesterday, uh, last week, they were giving him an award. In fact, I think when the guy was going to school, I pay some. some. He's called Jenfi. His son, the boy is, I think, 21 years old. And from University of Cape Coast, the first youngest medical doctor at the age of 21. Wow. Those children didn't sell pure water because some of us that sold pure water, we went like this. But the most important thing is that we have also arrived. You are going to arrive in Jesus' name. And your children will not need to sell kinky. So learn hard. That's what he's telling us. If you decide that you hear all this message and go to sleep, your children will sell a chumo, ice kinky, and go to China more and just be moving around. They will marry at the age of 41. He just told you his son eight years because what he's trying to do is that the child is not going to go through the same thing that whatever you go through glory to jesus and so i pray that you you are also going to create a path that is going to make it so easy and so powerful amen father we thank you for your servant continue to bless him now he's even trying to change the whole course so that many 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 good things and since he's a child of god he's like joseph that is going to change many things in egypt anointing more more ideas more wisdom like the wisdom of solomon and by the time that he leaves this office ghana will never recover in jesus name we pray for his family we pray for mama we pray for all the children and everybody that came to hear us and all the people that came from gs may the lord preserve you and bless you and you too that you are listening today may you move from glory to glory and may the spirit of greatness come upon you in jesus name i declare you blessed amen thank you for listening to this message we believe your needs were met and every word kept you in closer fellowship with the holy spirit once more find us on facebook by searching holy hill chapel ag or reverend kojo or you can join our Supernatural Generation family. You can also subscribe on YouTube by searching for our video messages to further boost your faith. We look forward to hearing your testimony through any of our social media handles on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.